Welcome to Growth Over Easy, the podcast where we explore the depths of life with an optimistic lens. I'm your host, Lily Rachels, and I believe pain has the potential to produce more growth than happiness ever could. I teach you how to grow through grief and give you actionable tools you can start using today. It's time to choose growth over the easy path in life. Let's grow together. Welcome back to Growth Over Easy. My guest today is Philip Laslett. He's a children's author and a marathon runner, and he uses those two gifts together to go into schools and teach our kids the importance of enjoying exercise, overall well-being, and diving into their creativity. I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. Let's get into it. Welcome, Philip. Hi, great to be here. I'm so glad to have you on. On your website, your mission statement says, I am on a mission to get the world moving. What inspired that? Well, it's a big thing that I'm trying to achieve and it comes from really my childhood. Um, I recognized early on I loved movement. It was a way to well-being for me. And during my um, time of growing up and into my adult life, it's been really profound that movement has been my mechanism for feeling better about myself mentally, physically, and helping me see meaningful progress in my life. So I'm keen to expand that out for the world, starting with children. I love that, especially starting with the kids. On your website, it also says a runner who writes. What was that title born out of? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Funnily enough, it's a combination of the fact that during the pandemic, I really got back into running. That was my go-to from a mental well-being perspective. And I gradually migrated up to doing marathons. And in the pandemic as well, I started to fulfill a lifelong ambition and I became a children's author. And I've now written three children's books. So the runner who writes seemed to write itself. I like that. What are the books about? The books are about the Cheetah Club Running Club. That's the book series. And there's two 10-year-old children from South London, Rapid, Rory and Speedy Stella. And the, the concepts of the books is these children love running and they find a group of safari animals who are a secret running club, but also um, go on rescue missions to help other animals and humans. And there's some key values within them that are an acronym of Cheetah Cub. Um, such as courage, helpfulness, exercise, environment, and teamwork. And the goal of the books is really to encourage kids to exercise, express their creativity, and to believe in themselves. That's beautiful. What made you decide to start with kids? Because you said you're on a mission to get the world moving. Why did children, like, why was that the starting place? As a dad of two boys, nine and a half and six, I really felt that I wanted to provide them with a life map of my experiences and articulate what I felt was some really good truths that that could give them the tools to be able to tackle any obstacles in life. And when I was growing up, I felt the wonderful upbringing, going through experiences of being the youngest in my class and some of the challenges that brings when you are sporty and realizing it's a bit harder to challenge and attaching my identity to that. If I'd have known that if I could have feared less with each uh, small step that I take forward about embracing my experiences and looking for the lesson rather than considering things failure, about celebrating my progress rather than comparing myself to others and about dreaming big and having high aspirations. Some of those things I really feel that if kids can 
can apply and through the narrative of storytelling, if I can can help them latch onto that, then it just gives them an extra few decades on what I had to be able to embrace life a lot more and and to flourish. That's so cool because Simon Sinek talks a lot about how our purpose as adults is often born out of a childhood experience or the role we played as a child. And it sounds like for you, you're serving the child you once were with your programs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rory Vaden talks about the fact that we're best positioned to serve the person that we once were. And I completely agree with that. I think children of today and all children in the history of time have have had um, a lot of um, traditional obstacles, shall we say, from growing up and social identity, obviously culturally now with the internet, that's a bigger challenge. And some of those typical challenges, maybe family breakup or being in um, families that are in poverty and so forth. But coming off the back of the pandemic and with the cost of living crisis globally and some of the other world events, particularly in the Western world that we're seeing, like the war in in Europe, um, it feels to me with my engagement with children and with schools that some of these anxieties have been uh, exacerbated. Mm. So if there's a way that I can try and give them some tools to tackle that and also parents and teachers tools to to use, then it will be a really helpful thing. That's a good thing to mention because I feel like everyone is pretty aware that things like social media cause, you know, anxiety and depression in kids today. But I think sometimes parents forget that like the current events going on in the world, even if the kids aren't watching the news, but even the way parents show up in the relationship with their children, like those things affect them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you take the cost of living crisis as we call it over in the UK, but we're seeing inflationary pressures all over the world. Fundamentally, a lot of families have got less money in their pocket. And as parents, our anxieties quite easily can cascade down to our children. And I think it's really important that that we recognise that and we try and show up as best as we can, as I know everybody is. However, for some children, it could mean a fundamental different way of life going forwards. In the UK, we have a lot of people going to food banks. We have a lot of children not able to afford to eat healthily at home. So school dinners are extremely important. And these fundamental changes, particularly if we go into stagflation economically in the world, it's going to be really important that our kids have the tools to be resilient. Mm-hmm. And saying that the tools to be resilient, because I often hear people say things like kids are resilient. I'm like, no, kids are not just resilient. Kids that have the right tools are resilient. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we recognize that all children are different mm-hmm. and there's different challenges in different countries, in different regions, in different communities. I mean, when I'm going into different schools, um, for example, in inner city London, it seems uh, children are affected by um, some of the things that we, you would typically expect high school kids to be affected by more like social concerns about their own appearance, even down to kind of like grade four or, or year four. Um, and when I talk about tools, what I mean is connecting with kids, how they consume information. So, for example, some children are very visual Some children struggle to express themselves verbally, but can express themselves better on paper. Um, And some children feel there's a real stigma about talking about concerns. So just giving them access to people. So I've got a number of frameworks that I share with the schools that I work with and, and also with parents that they can use with their kids. 
let's get into that. What does it look like when you go into a school to work with kids and you can pick any age group to talk about? Yeah, so um, my books uh, aim to about seven to nine-year-olds, but I typically go in and speak to children anywhere from five years up to 11, typically primary school in the UK um, and um, or, or internationally online. And the way that, we, that I approach it is I may start off with an assembly about being an author, express the journey that I was on, um, struggling with my handwriting as a, as a left-handed child <laughs> and with the fountain pen and smudging it. And that was my big enemy and, and adversary, how I got over that. And then my running journey. But what usually happens is execute something called the Brave Steps program. And that's built around four modules. Uh, and the first one, which I'll just touch on today is called fearless and you fearless with each small step you take forward and one of the key messages for the kids is it's normal to be nervous it's normal to have anxieties a lot of famous people celebrities sports people who look confident um, are feeling nervous and the the framework that i introduce is called the stella strategy and stella she's one of the main characters from the books and Sometimes children associate with with other characters and through narrative better than just listening to a 40-year-old man <laughs> talk to them. So, so Stella stands for share, talk, express, learn, list, and act. And briefly, if I may, share is share any worries, concerns with a trusted adult. Talk is around positive self-talk and affirmations and introducing them to that concept. Express is walking through them through a process and giving them the opportunity to express their feelings on paper through writing or, or pictures. And then learn, list and act is more around execution. Learn more about the challenge or problem that's facing you. You know, sometimes when you look in at the monster, you realize it has no teeth, that kind of concept. Mm -hmm. And then just some real kind of applicable stuff, like list out what three things you could do to move forward and then just act. I always leave everybody with my main mantra, which is move now. Whatever you're doing, even if you listen to this podcast, just stand up, just move and it will, it will change your psyche and then go, right, I'm not going to sit down until I do something proactive. And I think with kids, that's where the well-being through movement comes in. How have you seen like kids starting to move affect their overall well-being, like when you're working in schools? Well, when I started working with schools, I had less applicable exercises. It was more um, structure and theory. And what I realized very quickly Kids are meant to move, right? We're all meant to move. You know, the endorphins, the, you get into a better zone uh, mentally just by physically moving. Um, action does give, uh, you know, movement does move moves. And so as I've applied at least 33 to uh, 50% of my sessions are, are movement. Some of them are 100% movement because they're PE sessions. Just seeing most of the kids, you know, really engaging, really um you know, smiling more, having having laughter. But I am really clear that I'm focusing on the kids that may have anxieties just about exercise, just about sports. So one thing that you'll see with my courses, all my exercises anybody can do. They're really fun. There's at this age range, it's not about competition. It's about comparing yourself to your own progress over time, just trying to be consistent and not comparing yourself to others. And that's really been resonating. I love the phrase you said in there, movement moves moods. And I mean, I see that true in my life. Like when I work on a computer, I like to sit on a Swiss ball so I can move. And I always think about changing my state when I'm feeling down, I'll like crank up the music and I'll dance for a minute just to like get those endorphins flowing and my blood moving. But I love that movement moves moods. 
Yeah, it's it's something in particularly in the last two years that that is my mantra. I mean, Mel Robbins talks about five, four, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of similar in, in that way that if you literally are stuck, you could be stuck because you're scrolling through social media. You just have paralysis by analysis or a child is just in that kind of low from watching TV or video games. Um, just literally go move now. And, and and standing up, like I said, or moving outside or um, having an intervention, like literally stopping what you're doing and going, right, what's the one thing I can do now that will move me towards my goal? It can it can be fundamental to creating momentum. And over time, those seeds that you're planting will flourish into oak trees. And that's so important with the movement. I think about, I'm not sure how school is structured in the UK, but in the States, it's almost like kids are expected to sit still for eight hours. And when they misbehave, the first things taken away are recess. So the free play, the movement, and it breaks my heart because I'm like, I, as a 32 year old woman cannot sit still for eight hours. Like that sounds horrible. And I'm like, and we expect our children just to sit still and take things in intellectually without any movement. Yeah. And just having many, even three minute little exercise routines that can get the kids going even by the desk, maybe doing a little bit of breath work, but having these very mini exercises can can make a big difference. And I think you hear on something right there, Lily, in the fact that children express themselves through creativity, they express themselves through moving their body, and they should be just allowed to express themselves because it's not about forcing them to be a runner or forcing them to do any other sport or form of exercise. It's just giving them the the chance to find what they love. And if they don't love doing something, you know, move on. So I think it's fundamental to kids' wellbeing to allow them to move regularly throughout the school day and also at home. When you come in and work with schools, do you work just with the students? Do you work directly with the teachers to kind of encourage that, you know, three minutes of movement throughout class or something? So I work in both ways. So in the UK, I go into schools quite a lot, particularly in London, and do workshops and sessions where I will lead in the sessions. My goal is to move a million children. And I'm always thinking every day, have I have I moved someone today, whether it's physically, mentally or emotionally? And so my goal is to arm teachers with the tools and resources they need so that they can carry on the program. So all my content is on demand and available with lesson plans, with videos. And the goal is, is the teachers take that and are encouraged to take on the conversation and help form the habits with the children. And the way that I do that is I always set challenges. So typically they're seven, 14, 21 day habit challenges, but just to encourage the kids to take one brave step every day, one of those six stellar steps, and then congratulating them and getting them to connect the dots backwards on their progress rather than feeling daunted about becoming, I don't know, the next Michael Phelps or mm-hmm. Phelps or Simone Biles, just looking at their own progress on a daily basis and getting encouragement from that. You also mentioned the breath work. Do you do any kind of like meditation leading with the kids? Yes. So just simple exercises, um, trying to get them to be present and be grounded. In the second module of the program, Embracing Experiences, I have the cheetah checklist, uh, which essentially is a set of different steps to try and get present to perform, whether that's just to 
calm yourself down before doing sports day or a presentation or something difficult. And one of the things within that is square breathing. So really straightforward, asking children to close their eyes and believe they're drawing a, a square in their mind, counting up four breaths in holding and fall back down again and doing that four times and trying to focus on drawing that square because a really important point, uh, as I'm sure many of the listeners who do breath work, is it's all about noting when your mind wanders off and trying to get back mm-hmm. to the present state. So I find that just the simple exercise of square breathing can really help them have something to focus on and get them in a good place. I know the books are geared towards children, but everything you've talked about, I'm like, this is so applicable to adults. Like, again, it's changing our state, moving our bodies, and then finding presence. I think that's something that's really missing in society today is most of us are either dwelling in the past or we're stressed about the future and we're not grounded in where we are. Yeah, it's definitely something I'm finding that as a parent myself and other parents I speak to, there's an element of of feeling of guilt, an element of um, trying to be really true and authentic that anything they're asking their children to do, and I certainly feel this, that that I do myself. And and the fearless flywheel, those four steps of, you know, taking steps, looking for the lesson, measuring your progress and aiming high, are absolutely the fundamental framework that, that I live by. And it's completely transversible whether you are articulating that, that through children's books and narrative to younger children or, or to teenagers or older. Interestingly, there was an article that came out uh, today in the UK and the BBC on a report that was done about breathwork and meditation with teenagers at 80 schools, and they found that it actually failed. And what they found was that the teenagers, when they went home, only at most we did it once or twice more and one of the reasons they said was because it was boring so i think it's just this key point to make of if you can do something together with your children but also if you can attach a well-being intervention with movement like right let's do the breath work but what am i going to do now or after i do this in this better state then it'll be easier for the child or, or the adult to recognize the benefit and then keep it as a continued practice i think that's important Yeah, that's a good point because I know adults that will struggle with incorporating a meditation practice because they find it boring. And at least at that point, you know, our frontal lobes are developed enough for us to be like, we're going to do the boring things. We know it's good for us. But teenagers, like in their minds, like, I'm not going to do the boring thing. Like, I don't care if it's good for me. I want to get something out of it. And I like that attaching it to movement afterwards. Yeah. And this is why later this year and into next, I'm actually writing a series of books and courses for preteens and going into teenagers with more of a, a sci-fi kind of angle and young adult and middle grade novels. And the reason is, is I'm finding that completely understandably, you have to meet children and people where they're at and incentivizing in real life exercise by rewarding, for example, online or having characters that can really resonate, talking about challenges that they typically are facing. For example, in the UK, transition between schools um, or dealing, for example, with family breakup or our own identities as we're getting into relationships. These are topics that I think are really important to hit on and then attaching some of the tools and the frameworks that can can help benefit the, the teenagers is, is 
likely to resonate more, or at least that's what they're telling me. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree with you. I think kids oftentimes, you know, they see different characters on, and unfortunately on mainstream television, and they want to emulate them in some way in their life. And so giving them like, like a, a quality character to copy essentially is, I think that's huge and very wise if a mom or a dad or a teacher is listening today and you could just give them one piece of advice that they could like use in their classroom, use at home with their children, what would that be? I would say it's all around encouraging your children that meaningful progress is what it's all about, right? It's not about comparing yourself to others and they are loved for who they are and that is unequivocal. You, I'm sure, as a parent, if you're listening now, have conveyed that to your children, but just repeating that regularly, I will always love you for who you are. But fundamentally, what I want to encourage you to do is aspire as high as you can dream and recognize that it takes hard work and discipline to acquire the skills that you need to be great at anything in life. But you can get 10 or a thousand times better than you are today by applying that. It's something Tom Bilyeu talks a lot about. And in order to, to kind of kickstart that in intervention or something that they can do as of today, I have free exercises on my website that parents can download. It's, it's called the Summer Moves Program. And these are mainly for primary school children, but it's an opportunity to just move and get active with your kids. It can be fun and um, enjoyable. And actually, maybe there's some health and uh, well-being benefits for the parents as well. No, I love that. And where can people find you? And guys, I'll have links to the show notes on that, um, those free exercises that Philip's talking about. But where can people find you, whether it's your website, social media? Yeah, philiplaslett.com is the best place to go. And then you'll find the parents and the teacher resources. For parents, like I said, there's the Summer Moves program that you can download and Later in the year, um, just at the end of summer, we're going to all come together and have a celebration on Zoom. So I'm really excited about that. And then for teachers, there's the Stella Framework uh, Teacher Guide and Student Workbook, The Six Steps to Fearless, that you can download. And you could even start applying that in your classes um, next term. So philiplaslett.com or on Instagram or YouTube, Philip Laslett. Thank you for that. And what's next for you? And terms of maybe another marathon or career-wise? So the Brave Says program in schools is going international. The content is now available on demand. So it's available to, to anyone listening in, in North America um, as well as the UK. So I'm really excited about expanding that out and seeing how we can really move children physically, mentally and emotionally internationally. Um, and then I am looking to... Uh, do a half marathon before the start of summer and improve my time because I'm celebrating my progress. And towards the end of the year, yeah, I'll be looking to, to complete another marathon after the, the three three that I ran last year. So yeah, exciting times, but looking forward to a summer with my children. And I will be doing the Summer Moves program with them as well. That's very cool. I think that that's awesome that you're not only doing that with them, but you're also running marathons and you're showing them that like, look, dad's committed to this. This isn't, you know, it's walking the walk, not just talking the talk. So the last question I like to ask people is what is growth to you? Growth to me is meaningful progress in any area of your life. I fundamentally believe meaningful progress breeds confidence 
and just taking one small step forward every single day and then recognizing that progress from where you came. And importantly, that it's meaningful to you, whether it's meaningful purely for yourself and and your family, but tenfold, you'll get more fulfillment if it's in service of others as well. So growth to me is meaningful progress. Meaningful progress. Thank you so much, Philip, for being here. And guys, as always, be not afraid of growing slowly. Be afraid only of standing still. Have a great week. That's it for this episode of Growth Over Easy. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me at lilyrachels.com. I'm Lily Rachels across all social platforms. Please just share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Until next time, remember, easy is empty, growth is gold.